0: Our Bible reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and starting at verse 23. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick. And a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give you further directions.
1: Cool. Good morning, Pathway. Thanks, Reggie, for reading that. And thanks for everyone else who's got us to this point as well it good. It's good to be here. Now, my name's Ryan. I'm the guy that's been coming and going as I please lately. You'd like to think my parents would have planned their 40th wedding anniversary a little bit better to not line up with Etienne's long service leave. And my brand new brother-in-law, he got married. He could have planned that better too. So hence why I've been away a little bit. But now I'm here and I'm here to stay. So we're going to explore the concept of the Lord's Supper this morning. It's something that's done in churches all over the world, with varying levels of frequency. Pathway, we celebrate Lord's Supper about once a month. We've done it for decades, we've done it for generations. And to someone new to church, it might appear to be some very bizarre ritual, perhaps even seen as like a bit cultish, especially when we talk about drinking the blood and eating the body of Jesus. Mm, it's easy to see why people would think that we're kind of crazy. And the other side of the coin, though, is you've been part of church. Maybe this one, maybe of another church. You've been ch- part of church for such a long time. And we've done the Lord's Supper so often, over and over. It can all just become a bit too familiar. Like we understand what it's about. We go through the motions. We recognise the forgiveness of our sins and all that. Perhaps we're just too familiar with it all. So whatever side of the coin you're on, or maybe you're somewhere in the middle, I trust this morning that we can all understand just a little bit more of who God is and what he's done. And we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper just a little while, in just a little while as well. So, what is the Lord's Supper? That pathway we have someone stand at the front often behind a table and we talk about the body and the blood of Jesus, the bread and the juice, they represent these things and we eat it and remember and believe the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. His body broken and his blood spilt for us, for our forgiveness of our sins. And this is not wrong, but do we actually understand the significance of this? I sure don't, at least not fully. I'm only just beginning to grasp just the importance and the significance of the Lord's Supper. Now, I was very convicted by a bunch of stuff that I read and listened to about the Lord's Supper. I hope to communicate this well this morning but I don't want to do that to make it look like I know what I'm talking about because I really don't want to to make myself look good I want to make God look good. I want to draw you closer to God and be in awe of Him both of who He is and what He has done. But in order to do this well would you allow me to kick off with prayer? Let's pray together. God, talking about what we're talking about today is no small thing. We are granted access to the Holy of Holies. We are granted access to you, God, to be in your presence. We are granted this access only through forgiveness found on the cross, only because your son hung on it, his body broken on it, and his blood shed on it for us. All of this for us. Wow, God, thanks. As we look into this in more depth now, would your words be spoken? Would it not be Ryan, people here this morning, but you, O oh God? For you are the only voice worth worth listening to. Speak to us this morning, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we've got a lot to cover this morning. I'll do my best to stay on topic and engaging. If you do want help engaging, particularly our young ones, uh, there are little notepads around in the pews, in the chairs. Our pencils and pens and things. Scribble, draw, take notes, do whatever. If you don't know what to draw, here's my great creative ideas. If you don't know what to draw, think about drawing like a barrier, a wall, a fence, a, uh, I don't know, some sort of barrier, which is broken. Behind that broken barrier is the presence of God. I don't know how you draw that, but anyway. Maybe you can create some sort of Passover image that includes a cross in it. Perhaps drawing some sort of image that shows a forgiveness of sins. Or you could simply draw the bread and the cup or you can write something about it. I'm not all that creative when it comes to this stuff. The idea is for this to help, to help you stay focused, not to distract. And after the service, feel free to come and show me your masterpieces, or you can pin them up on the little pinboard out there, alongside all the other ones that we've got. Some of the stuff that's come out of these drawings and notes and things has been pretty cool, and um, I look forward to seeing more after today. So if it helps you focus, parents, if it helps engage your kids, please grab a notepad and pencil. Don't be scared. You can stand up, walk around and look for a spare one that's not being used. It's totally fine. All right, I already said there's a lot to cover this morning. We better fly into it. So why is this thing called the Lord's Supper such a big deal in churches all over the world, even to this day? How on earth is there even an industry that manufactures those horrible little cups, you know, with a little foil lid and a little horrible cracker on the top? (laughs) How's that even a thing? Well, we're going to look at where the concept came from, not the little cups, the the Lord's (laughs) Supper, and its connections to the Old Testament, as as well as what Jesus taught about it in the New Testament and what we should do about it today. So first, makes sense to me, let's look at where this idea began. As is often the case in the New Testament, it does link back to the Old Testament. So we're going to go back in time a bit and explore the origins of the Lord's Supper by looking at a couple of things in the Old Testament. These things in particular are the Passover celebration and the tabernacle, but in particular the part of the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies. So first things first, let's look at the Passover. The reason the Lord instituted the Passover was so that the people of Israel would always remember and proclaim their redemption from Egypt. So the book of Exodus, it's the second book in the Bible, it's ancient and in it we read of the Israelites' escape from slavery and bondage to the Egyptians. The Israelite people were slaves to the Egyptians and God heard their cry for help. God used a guy by the name of Moses to confront Pharaoh and demand the Israelites release. Now, God used these plagues to show that God really is God and ruler over all things, even the powerhouse that was Egypt at the time. Now, I'm guessing most of you have heard something about the plagues of Egypt. There was frogs, locusts, darkness, blood, and more. The deal-breaker, though, was the death of all the firstborns in the whole of Egypt. Can you imagine that? That is what made Pharaoh give in and send his entire workforce away, send all the Israelite slaves away. He said, be gone, I've had enough of this. The only way that the firstborns were spared was to follow the instructions given by God. These were to paint the doors with the blood of a lamb, to eat that lamb, and then some bread without yeast in it. By doing so, the firstborns within that household were spared, we will come back to this a little later, particularly a part about the blood on the door frames. So Old Testament Israel looked back to the Exodus through the Passover meal. Old Testament Israel remembered their deliverance from the cruel enslavement of the Egyptians when they ate the Passover. This became a regular celebration for the Israelite people all throughout the Old Testament. It was to serve as a reminder for, for the people of God's deliverance from slavery to the Egyptians. So when Jesus celebrated the Lord's Supper, it was done at Passover, and it would have seemed very normal to the disciples. The Passover was something they had done for generations. The twist came when Jesus said that the blood and body did not represent the sacrifice lamb of the Passover, but him. More on that later, though. That's a brief overview of the Passover and the Lord's Supper. Let's check out the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. So this is perhaps not often connected to the Lord's Supper, as it's not immediately obvious. And it's kind of the scary bit, to be honest. In Exodus chapter 40, that ancient old book in the Bible, there's a detailed description of setting up the tabernacle, which is effectively God's home among His people in the Old Testament. God lived with his people as they wandered through the desert, as they did their things, um, as they made their way to the promised land. God lived in the tabernacle. He led them and lived in the tabernacle, in the holy of holies. So after this very elaborate setup it's ridiculously long, by the way, we read this in verse 34 and 35 of Exodus 40. It says this, then a cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not this is the leader of all of God's people, Moses. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It's just insane. Moses couldn't go in or he would surely die. We see, actually see this come into play a little bit later in another old book in the um, Old Testament called Leviticus. In chapter 10, it tells of two sons, the two sons of Aaron, they entered the tabernacle, and in particular, the Holy of Holies. They do this incorrectly, and guess what? They were killed instantly for doing so. Now, these kids were not just some random kids. They were the sons of Aaron. It's a big deal. Aaron was the high priest at the time, which is kind of a big deal, as the high priests were the only ones allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies. Aaron was permit- permitted to enter into the Holy of Holies. Aaron could be in the presence of God. But only on one particular day of the year and after following copious amounts of rules and preparations, only on the specified day and only under the strictest adherence to all the rules was the high priest and the high priest alone allowed to enter the Holy of Holies. So the whole reason the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies was to enter into the presence of God and ask for the forgiveness of his sins, as well as the entire nation of Israel. This was done each year to continue to draw the Israelites back to God, to acknowledge the shortcomings and rely on God to wash them clean once more. If it was done right, God would hear it. God would forgive the people. He would wipe the slate clean. If it was done wrong, people died. as simple as that. It is very clear throughout the Old Testament that entering the Holy of Holies or entering into the presence of God is no small thing. Let's just reel off a few quick examples, shall we? What happened to Moses' face after he was with God on the mountain? His face glowed. What about the Ark of the Covenant? Even touching it caused death. And then we just read Aaron's two sons, they died because they entered God's presence incorrectly. Entering into and being in God's presence is a big deal. It is beyond sacred and wholly terrifying if you stop to think about it. So, to recap, Old Testament connections in the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is connected to the Old Testament Passover meal in that it is a celebration of freedom from oppression and slavery of the blood. oh uh, sorry, slavery because of the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the lamb covered the people, not literally, but figuratively. The sacrificial lamb's blood covered the entrance to the home and those who lived in it. God saw the blood on the doorway and passed over that home, sparing the life of the firstborn inside. So the people, the Israelite people, celebrated this regularly with a feast called the Passover. We also spoke about entering the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could enter and only at the right time and doing the right things. He entered the Holy of Holies to ask God to forgive the people of all their wrongs, all their sins. That is why he entered into God's presence. Something else that is very clear in the Old Testament is that entering into God's presence is not to be done lightly or without knowing what it's about. So what difference does all this make today? What does a centuries-old celebration of Jewish tradition that involves smearing blood on the door frame have to do with anything today? What about some old tent with some super special holy place in it? Do these things mean anything today? Thousands of years have passed. Surely it doesn't matter anymore. I think understanding the origins of the Lord's Supper is important. Understanding the freedom that the Passover represents is huge. Understanding the reason the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies was to ask God to forgive the people shows us a lot. Not to mention the scariness of God, just how holy, powerful and terrifying um, the presence of God is. So all these things should make us think pretty long and hard what it is we're doing when we take the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a big, big, big deal. It has deep, rich meaning and we ought to understand it before partaking in it. Alright, so perhaps it's pretty straightforward to see the connection of the Passover and the Lord's Supper. We'll get to that in a minute. But I suspect a few of you, like I was, might be a little bit confused about the Holy of Holies and God's forgiveness and presence being connected to the Lord's Supper. We looked at the significance of the Holy of Holies, the forgiveness of sins, and we looked at the significance of entering into God's presence. Let's check out the New Testament now and what it has to say. Who can tell me what happened when Jesus breathed his last on the cross? When Jesus' body was fully broken and his blood fully poured out. The curtain on the, that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple it was torn in two, from top to bottom. This was no accidents or coincidence. It was no strong gust of wind or someone with a knife. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross means that is no longer just a high priest who can be in God's Presence, but all who believe that Jesus made the way to be with God on the cross. And remember the reason why the high priest even went into the holy of holies in the first place was to ask for forgiveness for the people. So the barrier between us and God has been removed. It's been torn in two. It's not just the high priest one day a year after following enormous amounts of rules and preparations who can be who can be in God's presence, but us. It's not just the high priest who can ask for forgiveness, but us. Hebrews 4 tells us that Jesus became the new high priest. Jesus did all the cleansing for us and we can enter the Holy of Holies because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his body broken and his blood poured out. We can have access to God. We have access to a clean slate, forgiveness, restoration... We have access to the Holy of Holies and not just once a year, every minute of every day. Now, the significance of God's presence and being in God's presence has not diminished. He is still holy, He is still huge, and His presence is still terrifying. We just have a new way to access His presence. That way is not secondhand like it was in the Old Testament with the high priest that we have the opportunity to be in God's presence because of what Jesus, the new high priest, did on the cross for you and for me. Because of his body broken and his blood poured out. And as it was a big, big deal to enter God's presence correctly in the Old Testament, we read it's still a big deal to do it right today. Look at those verses we read this morning. If um, from 1 Corinthians 11, in verses 29 and 30, it says this, this is scary stuff. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. I don't know why they do that in the Bible. Why don't they just say, you're dead? Because falling asleep is just a nice way to say, you're dead. This same warning is given for both entering the Holy of Holies in an incorrect manner, and also taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Now, I realise it might sound a bit extreme to, uh, to say that you might be made weak, or you might be made sick, or you might even be struck dead for eating this little tiny piece of bread or drinking that little tiny piece of juice in an unworthy manner. Now, while it may not literally happen before our eyes today, what we need to understand is this. There is huge, huge, huge weight and significance behind the Lord's Supper and we ought to do it in a good way. So Francis Chan, pretty well-known pastor in the US, connects the seriousness of the warning of taking the Lord's Supper with that of entering the Holy of Holies, meaning that the same level of respect or reverence and repentance that was required for the high priest to enter into the Holy of Holies as it is for us to take the Supper Now, after checking out the Old Testament, we know that is a big deal. We need to look at our own lives and examine ourselves. Now, there are many, many ways to eat and drink in an unworthy manner. In Corinthians, there was a whole bunch of issues around the Lord's Supper. While these are not necessarily all that applicable today, the same warning of eating and drinking in an unworthy manner still applies. We need to honestly look into our own lives. Is there stuff in your life you know is not good and you know it's not what God wants for you but you kind of secretly like it and don't really want to change? If so, how can you accept the forgiveness for a sin that you kind of like in your life? Or maybe you're approaching the Lord's Supper too casually. Think about the warnings given. Think about the stories in the Old Testament. Do you really want to enter God's presence flippantly? Are you thinking about taking the supper just because everyone else around you is or because it's just what you do in church? Maybe you feel pressured to do so. This is a big thing we're going to celebrate. Just doing it because everyone else is is never, never a good thing to do. Maybe you're holding a grudge with someone. Maybe you're upset at someone and you are unable to forgive them. Ask yourself, if Jesus' forgiveness is real in your life, if he can forgive you, if he can forgive me, Surely I should be able to forgive someone else. Maybe you still don't really understand what this is all about. Maybe you don't know that Jesus is your saviour. It's totally okay, by the way. You're in the right place. Can I urge you, please don't take the Lord's Supper. There won't be any weird looks from us. It's totally fine to let you pass you by. Now, I don't say all this to make it sound like you need to be perfect. Perfect to participate. Not at all. We are all filthy, rotten sinners and we all need Jesus' forgiveness. But when it comes to the Lord's Supper, do you, can you honestly and truly say that Jesus is Lord of my life, that Jesus has washed me clean, that Jesus' blood and body was truly poured out and broken for me? If you can't say a confident yes to these questions, probably worth letting the bread and the juice pass you by. If you can say yes, celebrate. Celebrate with us. What a wonderful thing we can do together. Now, I realise what I've just said. is tricky to navigate and could easily be misunderstood. You are not a better person if you take the supper. It's not some pedestal of pride that we stand on. In fact, I would actually argue the opposite. Chat to me later if you want to know why. So, to wrap this stuff up on the Holy of Holies, entering into God's presence and asking for forgiveness is not to be taken lightly. Let's move on and check out the New Testament Passover. As I said earlier, Old Testament Israel looked back to the Exodus, back to the Passover meal, they looked through the Passover meal, and Old Testament Israel remembered the deliverance from the cruel enslavement of the Egyptians when they ate Passover. What does that mean for us in New Testament times? We've not been freed from the Egyptians. So, that lamb that had to be sacrificed every year to remember and celebrate the deliverance from Egypt is no longer required. We have a new sacrificial lamb. This lamb was perfect in every sense of the word. This lamb was a once and for all sacrifice, not to celebrate the release from slavery to the Egyptians, but the release from sin death and hell. This new sacrificial lamb looked like a man and his name is Jesus. So Old Testament Israel looked back to the exodus through the Passover meal. New Testament Israel, that's us, looks back to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus through the Lord's Supper. So as often as we eat this new Passover meal, we remember a greater exodus. For he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. The Passover has been updated by Jesus. We remember Jesus' body and blood was given to us to wash us clean, to forgive us of all of our sins. Jesus did it all for us. Not some cute little lamb, Jesus did it the Lord's Supper replaced the Old Testament Passover. So we celebrate Jesus' broken body and poured out blood with the Lord's Supper. We celebrate the torn curtain. We celebrate the fact that we are made right with God. Our sins are forgiven and we, we can be in the presence of God. And we do this with great joy and great, great reverence. So we're going to do the Lord's Supper now. I hope I haven't scared anyone off from wanting to take it. I do hope, however, that we will stop and think about what it is that we're doing and that we'll appreciate just how significant it is. Like the Passover lamb, Jesus' blood was poured out for the deliverance of his people. Because of this deliverance and forgiveness of sins, we no longer have an Old Testament high priest who enters into God's presence once a year to ask for forgiveness. We can do it. Anywhere and anytime, we are forgiven because of Jesus' blood was poured out and his body was broken for us on the cross. We can be in the presence and stand there, washed clean, forgiven and made right with God, all because of what Jesus did for us, all because of what Jesus paid for us on the cross. That is what we're celebrating today and that is so worth celebrating as well. So as I touched on earlier, if this whole Jesus thing is a little bit new to you and you don't know where you sit with it all, please let the bread and juice pass you by. The Bible is very clear that this tiny, tiny little meal is for those who truly believe what Jesus did was for them. There'll be no judgment, no weird looks, nothing from us if you refuse it. Also, if you have kids with you this morning, parents, it's up to you whether or not they participate. If you know that they understand who Jesus is and what he has done for them, by all means, allow them to celebrate with us. But if that's not the case, please let the bread and juice pass them by as well. So can I ask the people who are going to help pass out the, uh, the stuff for Lord's Supper to make their way up now? Oh, I was supposed to bring a Bible. Good, I've got one here. It's good. So as they uh, get organised and um, hand out the things, I'd just like to read um, from Luke chapter 22. Sorry, he clearly didn't plan this. So Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 14. So again, as I hand out, just listen to this as well. I hope we can do a couple of things at once. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. And he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So as you get your bread and your juice, uh, please hold on to it, and we'll uh, eat together in a moment. But we'll t- make the most of the silence now. Just to think about, examine yourselves, think about the presence of God, the forgiveness of sins, and just what an incredible thing that is that we actually have on offer to us. This tiny little bit of bread that you hold is simply bread. What it represents and symbolises is Jesus' body. The bread which we break and eat is a sharing of the body of Christ. Take it, eat it, remember, and as just said, believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all of our sins. Let's eat together now. And the same as with the bread, this little cup of juice is simply juice. But what it represents and symbolises is Jesus' blood, spilt for you, spilt for me. Take it, drink it, remember, and again, believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was spilt, It was poured out for complete forgiveness of all of our sins. Let's drink together now. Would you allow me to close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you with thankful hearts. Having just participated in the Lord's Supper and reflecting on the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, we are reminded of the incredible love that you have for us and the forgiveness of sins that we have received through faith in Jesus. We reflect on the incredible event of the torn curtain in the temple. This moment symbolises the tearing down of the barrier between humanity and the presence of God made possible only through the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. We are grateful for the gift of access to your throne of grace, made available to us through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We ask that you help us to live each day in the awareness of your presence, relying on your love and grace to sustain us. And as we leave here this morning, we ask that you help us to carry your presence with us into the world, May we live each day with a deep awareness of your forgiveness and the cleansing power of your blood. Help us to confess our sins and turn from them, trusting in your grace and mercy to guide us and sustain us. We ask this in Jesus' name and in Jesus' name only. Amen.